That was Roddy Rich there, Die Young. We welcome those of you again inside studios, the inside of our broadcast booth here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Myself and the newest, that's right, the newest addition to the Virginia Union alumni, Mr. Michael Gray. Um, <laughs> I know you had a fantastic evening on Saturday night out there in uh, Virginia. Uh, it must have been, uh, the vibe must have been electric out there thus far, for sure. Sebi, the vibe was different. It was something that you don't plan for. It's something you just can't anticipate. It was an amazing vibe, like you said, and I'm just I'm just appreciative. I had good family there and great support that was able to see me walking, accomplish something that nobody in my family ever did. It was a great moment. I appreciate it. It was dope. Definitely, definitely there. We want to give a big shout out there to Michael Gray uh, there, of course, uh, for all of this stuff. Uh, it, it, it's funny, man. <laughs> You know, looking you. It, there's no, there's no better feeling. You know, walking oh. down that stage and and, and uh, <laughs> just the the vibe. It, it's it just must have been electric. It was it was absolutely electric. Being on that stage and being like knowing that all your hard work, everything you've done up to this point was it was worth it for this moment right here. Um, all your emotions just came just come out of you. And right. it, it, it felt great, man. It felt it felt amazing. You know, I, I just want to make fun here with the, with the listeners here. Uh, Mike, I don't want to say I told you so. I, I don't want to say that I jinxed anything, but I don't want to be the guy to say that I didn't see this coming with James Harden and the Rockets. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that uh, uh, further on <laughs> later on today, hey guys. But we actually have a, a special guest with us that's also here on the hotline, uh, Chris Wolf here on the hotline with us. Um, a, a, a guy, this this man is a brainiac. He he knows his stuff about the NBA, and and he's here to dissect both the Eastern and the Western Conference semis as we look ahead to uh, both respected conference finals as well. Here on the hotline with us, Chris. What's going on, my man? What's up, man? How you doing? How you guys doing? Hey, now what's going on, Chris? Thank thanks for having me, man. Yes, thanks for having you here on the show. So, fellas, hey, let's get right into it. We want to go ahead and start off with my opening segment today, guys. It's proud and sponsored by Precise Tax. Precise Tax and Associates, my man, and I know him personally, Alwyn Morgan Jr. has said anybody here in the Central Florida area, if you want to get your accounting, if you want to get your taxes done, Himself and his staff alone are the best in the business. That's Precise Tax and Associates, proud partners of the Sebi Podcast radio show. And fellas, we'll go ahead and start off with what we saw and what transpired in the Western Semis against the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. Fellas, you know, James Harden, what he did thus far this year, 30 average on almost 37 a game that hadn't been done since they go since Oscar Robinson game six against everything falling into the laps. Kevin Durant getting hurt with a strained Achilles. He's not playing clay and Curry weren't cooking like they normally are in the playoffs. They were having a lot of shooting woes. 
it was looked upon. Did James Harden want to be great? And did Chris Paul and James Harden want to change the narrative and say, you know what? Let's change it. You know, Jordan never won his first ring until 28. He had to get through the bad boy Pistons and Larry Bird in the Celtics. Uh, LeBron James didn't win his first ring until 28. He had to get through the big three of the Celtics and get past Popovich and others to get his ring. Well, we see the same narrative. Will the Houston Rockets with James Harden and Chris Paul assembled ever beat the Golden State Warriors? Guys. Well, me personally, I don't I don't feel like uh, as long as as long as the Golden State Warriors have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson on their team and they're, and they're, they 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 continue this this system that's geared with, with that that's had the continuous success with them, I don't think the Rockets will ever ever be Golden State because Chris Paul isn't getting any younger. Now Chris Paul Chris Paul had a great game 6. I mean, he showed up and shot shot a great percentage and he just he just was very active and this was the Chris Paul that we've been looking for this entire playoff series, and he balled out that game. James Harden was very inefficient. He had 35 points, granted, to finish off, but it was an inefficient 35 points, and he also had key turnovers late in the fourth. It was – maybe I think this was more about the Golden State Warriors this past series than it was about the Houston Rockets. The Warriors showed why they were such a lethal team before Kevin Durant got there. Um they won 73 games without him. Obviously, Steph and Clay, we call them the Splash Brothers for, for a reason. We know how special they are when they get when they get going. Steph Curry had an abysmal first half in game six. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere in the second half, we see one of the greatest performances in, in playoff history. It's just it's, it's special to see what they do because Clay, cause Clay Thompson picked up that carry the load for them in the first half. But it's just special, special watching this team play because I think the key. I think the Houston Rockets got misconstrued with how how good this this Golden State Warriors bench can be. The Golden State Warriors bench finally showed up and and basically helped them win that game on last Friday. And it's just they they have so many different pieces that they can throw at you. So many different ways that they can beat you. I don't know if Houston Houston has one way that consistently hitting threes and, and and trying to trying to outmatch outmatch Golden State three for three pound for pound. And as you've seen over years, over the past three, three or four out of the five years, it just doesn't work for them. So no, I don't, I don't see them being Golden State as long as they have their core with them. We saw Clay Thompson definitely getting cooking out there, especially in the first half where uh, Steph Curry struggled and only had two points. Clay Thompson had nineteen himself. One yeah. splash where they got hot, one half the other being Steph Curry definitely start went reverted to Chef Curry back <laughs> when he won back to back. Regular season MVP scoring 31 of his 33 in that second half there for sure. And 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 when in Chris, when you when you look in, at this series, is it time? Dan Marley he's saying at a post game where these guys, Olajuwon never won his first ring until 30. He's saying all of these to kind of motivate his Rockets. Well, to you. For Dan Tony, Chris Paul, and James Harden, is it time for them to blow it up? Because obviously, the the scheme and the isolation ball that they've done hasn't been working. Um, I think I think they they need to get some other pieces. It's gonna because it, really they can't really they can't really part ways with Chris Paul and James Harden right now. They're right. locked up for years, and years. Like Chris Paul got the new four year deal. James Harden got the huge extension. They're locked up for at least the next three to four years, but I think they need to they need to get 
better on the bench. Like, I don't think they need to, like, necessarily blow it up. I think they need to rep- they need to replace pieces. They need somebody on their bench that could go get a bucket consistently. They don't really have that right now. Because Austin Rivers was the best bench player they had in this series against Golden State. And it just, like, he still had some struggles at times as well. Eric Gordon used to be that guy, but they've inserted him in the starting lineup. So their bench is really thin. I think that's what they need to do in the offseason. They need to get a they need to get a consistent bench. And I think they do need to shy away from ISO at times. They need they need to take some notes with the passing. You lose I mean you see like Golden State lost Kevin Durant. They assert they went right back to the spreading the ball around, getting everyone involved. I mean, Iguodala hit five threes because he they got open looks, great shots. Livingston got some open shots. I mean, Looney was great on the offensive glass. They just need – so I think that's what they need to do. They just need to – they need to be able to spread the ball around more next season. This is what I see. Uh, we know that Golden State won even before uh, uh, Kevin Durant got there. I mean, they won a championship in 15, and that 73-9 win team lost in game seven against a heroic comeback between with Kyrie Irving and LeBron James. Nevertheless, this is a team that has been assembled with its core. Obviously, Iguodala, finals MVP, Steph Curry, back-to-back league MVPs, and Klay Thompson, a running mate as well. This was the original uh, uh, Golden State Warriors before they added Kevin Durant. What Kevin Durant does for the Golden State Warriors is make them nearly right. impossible to guard. Mm-hmm. That that's that's what that does. And so I, I have to say, and and even Clay Thompson, uh, barring free agency uh, this upcoming summer, has even said that a lot of players on the team has had to sacrifice for Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, you put him on your team, he's at least getting twenty two right. to twenty five shots. And so uh, you saw. The moments, and not in game in four and five, but early on in that series where Steve Kerr was literally given high pick and rolls for Kevin Durant to go iso ball. I mean, he's that great of a player for him, and he's just a mismatch nightmare. And other players like Klay Thompson, like Draymond Green, has had to sacrifice. Well, with Kevin Durant not there, Kerr, what he did, and we have to give him a really – I think he's very underrated. We – we get overwhelmed by the star power of how Golden State has with KD, Clay, Draymond, and we overlook a, how great of a coach Steve Curry is. He he saw that, okay, well, Kevin Durant is out, so let's revert back to the old Golden State Warriors, spacing, ball movement, playing excellent defense, their identity that got them to what they are right now in the plateau as being the best team in basketball. And and I, I I'm going to... Uh, 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 say something here, Chris, and I think you might agree with me. I think that when when Golden State won that chip, they always had a front court player. Yep. Uh, Draymond Green is is has been that front court player uh, when they went to those finals. Obviously, Draymond Green is not the Draymond Green that was in 2015 or 2016 that dominant, but they always every championship team has always had a dominant front court player. Shaq and Kobe. You think about Kevin Garnett along with the big three. Andrew Bynum with Kobe Bryant and Pau Gasol inside. Uh, you had uh, uh, even Jordan and Pippen had a, a Dennis Rodman sometimes. Carl Malone had uh, had Stockton with them. I think they need a front court guy that can at least get them 15 to 18 points because I do think James Harden and Chris Paul are elite enough to get you over 
more than 20 points. So they need a front court guy that I think that can assert them. But the problem is, is the Rockets, they're capping with those massive contracts that James Harden and CP3 has. So moving on forward, what flexibility do the Rockets have? Very hard. That flexibility is very hard because you're going to be paying Chris Paul and James Harden at least 65 million a year, just the two of them. And it's gonna, that, that makes it very hard for you to be able to get players. You already gave Capella a big contract this before this in season. So, I mean, you you're kind of cap it like with very few players. Like, and they're gonna have to either kind of like have to do what kind of what the Lakers are doing and just sign very small deals with like vets. Or you can, if you can sell a, a good talent on your team and maybe get him get get him to take less, that could work. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if like a Demarcus Cubs would fit that team. Maybe. I mean, as like a as somebody that could maybe get because he can get you points in the post in the in the post. Which would be, which is what they really need, because they don't really have much anything except for layups and threes and free throws, and 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 also, I mean, they need to. It's kind of it's kind of a little bit weird, but they need to they need to they need to lay off the flopping. If they would just focus on getting buckets, they would be better. They focus on getting to the free throw line, just focus on playing, and they would be better as well. Right, right, food. Right, definitely, definitely there. I, I definitely agree there as well. There's a lot of uncertainties and a lot of questions moving on forward for James Harden entering the prime of his career with the Houston Rockets. And, well, as for Chris Paul, the days of getting to his first ever NBA Finals are looming soon because, I mean, I, we, we can all agree Chris Paul is a top 10 point guard of all time. And a first ballot Hall of Famer there. It would be hard to see him not get to an NBA Finals and be labeled with the Steve Nash and Charles Barkley's of the world. We shift gears to the Eastern Conference here. Um, and uh, we'll go ahead and, and and dive into it a little bit more in our next uh, segments here. But, Mike, I don't want to be the one that told you. Um, I think we had the discussion last year, uh, last week in our segments here. I said Kawhi Leonard was the best player in the world. <laughs> and um, I've, I've stuck to that. And, and you went with Kevin Durant, obviously, your homegrown Washington guy. Kevin Durant is from the D.C. area in the DMV. You get to see him. Uh, he, you saw him in <laughs> recreation gyms pulling up from 40, 50 feet and like it was nothing in, in draining jumpers. And, and so, but from what transpired from the first round of the playoffs until now I think that Kawhi Leonard has not been not only been the best player throughout these playoffs but has been the most one one of the more dominant players as well getting to the basket and and this brother I mean he's just getting better and better entering his eighth season in the league Uh, what what else must we say about the greatness of Kawhi Leonard I, I've already went out of limb and said that now he's the best two-way player in the game. I think he's the best player on planet Earth. And so um, I want to go ahead and start with you. Are, are you ready to, to shift gears from Kevin Durant and, and come to the Kawhi Leonard side? No, sir, I am not. I am not ready to do so just yet. But I understand your sentiments, and I understand exactly where you're coming from. Kawhi Leonard is special. 
this is a special, special, a different breed type of player. Kawhi Leonard can do things on the basketball court, and he does it. It may he makes things he makes it look so effortlessly. It's, it's like it's like he's just out there toying and just having fun, like he said. There's no press. It's no pressure to Kawhi Leonard. You know, when it comes to when his big moments, he's he just goes out there. He just plays basketball, and I think I think I think one of the things that um, that Kawhi Leonard has that that people grab that fans gravitate towards him over Kevin Durant is his humbleness. Is the fact that he's so humble, he's quiet. He, he doesn't really say too much. He doesn't really show his, that many expressions. But he goes out there on the court and he has a killer, uh, a quiet assassin inside of him, and 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 he has that killer mentality when he's on the court. And um, and I think people gravitate to that more than more so than than Kevin Durant, but. Kevin Durant, is, I'm still going with him as the best player in the league because of what he can do right now. You know, Kawhi Leonard is going to look as amazing as he possibly is, and he's going to look even more amazing now that Kevin Durant's not in the playoffs playing right now. So I definitely see where people are coming from saying Kevin Durant, saying Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard is a special two-way player and can and can do it all. <clears throat> um, and right right now we're in the yeah. middle we're in the middle of watching him take over now, and he's going up against the top Bucks team right uh, in, in in a couple of days. And we'll see what he can do against them. But wow, my goodness, Sebi, I'm not gonna lie to you, Sebi. If he can, if he can continue to play like this in these playoffs, and and potentially beat the Bucks and carry this team to the finals, we might be having a different conversation. But until then, <laughs> until then, I'm still, sticking, I'm still sticking with Kevin Durant. No doubt there, and we want to get ahead of ourselves. We'll get to Bucks and Bucks and Raptors in our next segment here. That that's looks to be an epic showdown, uh, nevertheless. Um, but <laughs> you want to think about Kool Aid? Like this guy is. It, I mean, we're not in the early two thousands and nineteen nineties anymore. This is one of the rare guys that still has rocks the corn rolls. <laughs> he he still has a nineteen ninety seven right. Toyota Corolla. All the money in the world that he's making right now. I, I mean, we can all agree that this guy's worth thirty to forty million a year in elite status, um, and and it's it's going to be fascinating to see what his price becomes in the free agency market. Chris, I want to go to you. The Sixers were your preseason pick to come out of the Eastern Conference. Uh, they had Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. You thought that he would be uh, healthy all year, which. For the most part, he was, but I think that the toll of the 82-game regular season kind of took a toll on him late in the season, entering the playoffs, and obviously, we know what happened with the injury bug to him. It's always a thing with Joel Embiid. It may be the back. It may be the knee. It's at Achilles. Oh, now he doesn't feel good. It's the flu. Mm -hmm. So, I want to talk to you with the uh, acquisitions of Jimmy Butler, who played fantastic in this series, uh, who averaged about 25 points a game. He played Excellent until game seven when Nick Nurse said, Hey, we're gonna put Kawhi Leonard on him, and he didn't do much in that game seven. But nevertheless, Jimmy Butler had an exceptional series. And, and so, moving on forward, and I, I want to ask you what went wrong for the Sixers in, in, in this series with the potential chance of winning the game? What could it have done differently with your preseason pick? Um, well, there's a few things I, I might start with the same that they did, the stuff they did right. They for the most part, I actually thought they played fair defense on most of the people. I mean, I know you, you know Kawhi is going to get you stuff, but they did pretty well in Siakam on the lower half, the, the, the second half of the series. They were they, they did pretty good against him. And Kawhi was actually a little less efficient in the last few games as well. But but what, what went wrong for them, though, I just think 
they were their offense just was but stagnant. They were just sitting. They were everyone was roaming the perimeter. I mean, Joel Embiid was roaming the perimeter a lot. I mean, this dude is over seven feet, like two sixty plus. I mean, he overpowers any bit, pretty much any big man in the game. They need to put this dude in the post and and just feed him because he can easily overpower anybody on that Toronto team. Well, I want to I want to ask you this, Chris, because this has been a, a big theme uh, throughout these last couple of days. Brett Brown is a coach and maybe he may be exiting as the Sixers coach. I don't know if he would, um, uh, but I'll, I'll answer that to you. Um, Brett Brown and his philosophy, he's had Joel Embiid played a lot of perimeter game uh, outside in the three point line with how dominant he is. He should be in the paint. So is Brett Brown an issue or is it a Joel Embiid? I think it's a little bit of both. and I think it's both fixable. I mean, I think it's, I, I think it's fixable, and in my opinion, I don't think Brett Brown should be fired because I did see improvement this year. They they took a really good Raptors team seven games. It took literally a four bounce buzzer beater to beat them in game seven on the road. So, I mean, I don't think he should be fired, but he does need to make some changes. He needs to change how this offense runs. They need to get this dude in the post more. And Joel Embiid in the off season, he needs to get himself in better shape. Like, he's better shape. And he just needs to be able to play more minutes because he's so dominant, but he's just not being able to play more than like 30, 32 minutes a lot of nights. I mean, he played 45 minutes last night, but you can tell he was was just sitting in the perimeter and just doing – it just was not really involved in the offense. He needs to be able to play these playoff games for like 40 to 45 minutes and be able to be effective the whole time. I mean, I know he was a plus ninety in the series, which is which is beyond ridiculous. Despite how str- how he struggled, he was a plus ninety on the floor, and there were minus like one hundred eight with him off the floor, which is re- which is just which is just very like just stunning. How he didn't really even play well in the series, but yet they were super good with him on the court. Yeah, it's it definitely definitely a lot of question marks surrounding. Uh, Brett Brown and that Philly organization. Quick thoughts here, Mike and Chris. Uh, I'm going to put your GM thinking caps on. The the Sixers have a lot of decisions to make. Jimmy Butler, a restricted free agent alongside with Tobias Harris. And there's also been talks about maybe potentially putting a package to trade Ben Simmons. Your thoughts as a GM and your Elton brand? I definitely would uh, consider trading Ben Simmons. I, I'm not I'm not saying I, – I need to see one more year and see if he's going – See if we if see if there's any uh, resemblance of um, a jump shot coming from him. And see if he's worked on it at all. Because at this point in Sebi, it doesn't look Sebi and Chris. It looks like he hasn't worked on his jump shot at all. Like you know, to be honest, we've seen consistent improvement over year after year after year. His jump shot continued to getting better and better because you can tell he's working on it. It's, it's been a struggle for Ben Simmons uh, working on his jump shot. I've heard a lot of people say it's because he's right-handed. He's legitimately right-handed. And um and learning to learning to shoot with his left hand is getting uncomfortable for him. We'll go to the right hand then if that's the case. But I, I just don't understand. I just, um, <laughs> I, yep. If it ain't yeah, broke, yeah, don't yeah, fix it. Right? I, mean, so uh, I want to see what improvements Ben Simmons makes to his game because it's it's, it's starting to look like, look like the numbers that he posted in the regular season mean absolutely nothing because of because he continues to get exposed in the playoffs without that jump shot. Teams are basically playing five on four. Excuse me, not even guarding Ben Simmons out there on the perimeter. Just, 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 just basically taking him out of the picture 
and, and packing and using that play to, to double team or impact Joel Embiid and take him out of the game. But he, he's uh, Chris is absolutely right when it comes to Joel Embiid with his health. Uh, he definitely has to take care of his body more, eat, eat better in the offseason and, and things of that nature. But I definitely would, would consider trading Ben Simmons. Now, I would have to get something quality for Ben Simmons um, while his while his um, stock is up. But it's not, but I need to see at least one more year of improvement to see if, if there is any improvement to his game. Because right now, his game is continually, continuously getting exposed in the playoffs. And, and you, Chris, what do you do with Tobias as a free agent? Act, uh, uh, to come and also Jimmy Butler. Yeah, uh, I think I think the Sixers need to. I think they need to resign Jimmy Butler. Yeah, because I yeah. believe I believe he and Embiid they work out together very well. They they like one each other. They can play well with each other. I mean, they're they're good for they're, they're friends. So it's good to have a good relationship with a big and your best defense. They're both good defensive players. But now Tobias Harris. It, it, it's cost. It depends on the cost. Because if he's wanting very, like, max money, I wouldn't, in my personal opinion, what I saw from him in these playoffs, I would not pay him max money. I'm sorry. He just, he disappeared too much. And I just think he's a really good player. But I don't think max, max money is too too much, I think. I think, and if, and if you go in the route of not re-signing Tobias Harris, I mean, you, there, there are still some other players out there you could sign, and and the bench, the bench needs more more perimeter shooting. It's, it wasn't they they had Ilya Sova and Marco Bellinelli last year that helped it a lot because Ben Simmons. Right, right. They had a really good bench last year. Yep, with a lot of shooting. Ben Simmons not being able to shoot jump shots. You need perimeter shooting on your bench to yeah. help him. I mean, if he if he's not going to shoot jump shots, at least give him players to shoot him where he can set up for them. So that helped that. That's, but, and I also agree, Ben Simmons, he needs a jump shot. I mean, I mean, I know, I mean, around his age, Giannis did not shoot the ball well. But he, he yeah, same with Giannis. He did not shoot the ball well around at the age of Ben Simmons at 21. So he didn't shoot the ball well at that age. But every year, he started attempting more, attempting more. And now he's at, the, he's at a point where he doesn't mind getting fouled because he can hit free throws. I mean, he shoots at 73% which is a lot better than where he was at. Where Ben Simmons only shoots about 59%, which, I mean, that needs to go up a lot. Definitely there. Well, one thing's for sure. If the Sixers had that cornrows, man, we're not talking Kawhi Leonard. We're talking about Mr. AI. Perhaps this series would be going the other way. But nevertheless, there's a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainty moving on forward for the Philadelphia 76ers and the Houston Rockets. And when we come back, myself and Michael Gray and Chris are going to go ahead and discuss conference finals previews, the Warriors and the Blazers, and of course, the Clash of the Titans. Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, they both want the throne as the best player in the world. It's all coming up next here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Thank you.
<laughs> it's crazy how we're all in the prison of the moment here. We're back here on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Breaking news here by uh, Adrian Wojnarowski. Oh, what? How ironic is this? We we're just talking about Brett Brown here. Brett Brown will return back as the current Sixers head coach, uh, said by uh, Joe Harris alongside with Elton Brand. So um, it's static times, and and we're hoping for change on the Philadelphia organization. Again, Brett Brown back as the Sixers head coach for the Philadelphia 76ers moving on forward. We're not sure if this is going to be um, a probational year, but it's just funny to think about. We were just talking about Brett Brown there returning back as the Sixers head coach again, despite their seven-game series, an epic loss to the Toronto Raptors a day in just 24 hours ago. And we're going to go ahead and talk off and start off with the Western Conference here. The Western Conference, this is a, a very intriguing matchup to me. The Blazers. I did not have the Blazers here. I will be the first one to say I'm a huge Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum fan, but I didn't believe they had the nucleus in the core to get it done and get to this position. But boy, was I wrong. I mean, yeah. Enos Kanter has been instrumental with them. Terry Scott's a very underrated coach in what he does in this fun. Get a lot of recognition out there being hot hidden in the Pacific Northwest. But what the Portland Blaze, Portland Trailblazers per se have done and, and, and just defensively in that game seven, uh, you have to tip your hats off to CJ McCollum. That might've been the best sidekick performance that I've seen in quite some time. I think the best sidekick performance I've seen was Kyrie Irving in that game seven when he dropped 41 to beat the Golden State Warriors along with LeBron James um, pitching in 27 and for the Cleveland Cavaliers to earn their first championship in 52 years. But aside from that as sidekick, I think C.J. McCollum's game seven performance at the Pepsi Center might have been the best sidekick performance I've seen in quite some time. Damian Lillard struggled from the field. Three for 17. I mean, this guy finished with 13 points. We know how big time Damian is. All-NBA performer. And CJ McCollum, out of Lehigh, this guy is a killer. I mean, against all odds, this is... And keep in mind, guys, the, the Denver Nuggets haven't lost by the same team twice inside of their building in the Pepsi Center all year long. And the Blazers did that in Game 2 and also in Game 7, going to their first conference finals in 2000. Your thoughts on the Blazers and how they got here? Wow. I mean, you, you're absolutely right. I did not pick the Blazers to get to the Western Conference Finals. I picked, I, I picked the Blazers would have a very good postseason because they're experienced and they've been here before and they're motivated uh, coming into coming into this uh, playoffs. But, man, they impressed me. Like you said, C.J. McCollum is special. He's a, he's a killer. He's lethal. Uh, something we've seen, we've seen C.J. McCollum. I'm glad he's finally getting that his just due and getting that big-time playoff recognition because offensively, he's been one of the most lethal and crafty scorers this game has seen since he's came into the league. Um, like, he, like he said in his post-game press conference, he's had something to prove coming out of Lehigh, being the first player to ever be drafted from that school. 
and then uh, and then just just coming in, continue to be doubted. Got his opportunity. Got his opportunity <laughs> to be to be corrected. He's mm-hmm. on the mud. He definitely did, and he worked his way. He worked his way all the way through, and, and he, he he doesn't really need any much much added motivation to what's already in his arsenal. This is special, and you're right. This game seven performance. I think I think an, alongside of his great performance. Another thing that was so special along with his performance was the fact that Dame let him rock. Dame let him ride. Dame understood mm-hmm. that he was that he wasn't, yep. you know, hitting all of his shots and he wasn't as efficient as he could have been. So he re- he realized how lethal and how on fire CJ was, and he continued to just let him go. I remember there were times where uh, he just it was standing in the corner. He was just watching the show. You know, what I'm saying he was letting he was let CJ was on that type of role, and it was it was fun to watch and. We saw that same type of performance in Game Three in that full overtime game, and uh, he, he's he's had a great series. He's had a great playoff run as well, and I, I'm happy for CJ. I'm happy he's finally getting his just due. CJ McCollum is a top three shooting guard in this league, without question. And he's that he's that special on from, from an offensive perspective, and he can play defense as well. So I'm happy for the Portland Stars. Talk about that chase down block, yeah, Jamal Oh Murray. man, Sebi, that chase down block that was LeBron esque right there. <laughs> yeah. That was an that was an amazing block, and it was it was it was fun watching them play. I I picked Denver to win that game seven because they had the best home record, and it just seemed like for some reason at home they just they just they just know how to find ways and they, and they find a way to win. But when they when they got up seventeen in that second quarter, it's like they let their foot off the gas pedal. The way they finished that first half, missing shots and uh, just just playing one on one, whether if it was whether it was with Jokic or, or Jamal Murray or any other. The way they finished that half, it almost let me know that Portland might win this game because Denver wasn't – not only were they not hitting shots, they weren't getting quality looks. They would continue to stand around and get stagnant. And C.J. McCullum didn't let off the gas. I mean, he was hot in the first quarter, the second quarter, third and fourth. Like, he, it, was, it was a steady, consistent dose of C.J. McCullum. And he hit big time, three timely mid-range jumpers in the fourth quarter to seal the win for them when Denver was coming back. So it was it was an amazing game. It was an amazing all around series. Um and I, I was I was impressed. I was impressed with the with uh the Portland Trailblazers. They have a, a uniqueness to their team. They have a unique team because they have scorers. They have they have players like 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 we need on Philly that can just come off the bench or come off wherever and get a bucket. Rodney Hood can come off and give you twenty if you need to. Uh, Seth Curry can knock down timely threes. Mo Harkless can can uh, can play defense, and he can knock down shots as well. Uh, you guys, you got guys like Myers Leonard who can come and give you some good minutes. Zach Collins. Uh, this is a pretty deep basketball team, and when you put it all together, it's it's not it's not a surprise. And Terry Stapps has done an amazing job, and I, I'm impressed. I'm I'm excited to see what they do what they do against another Golden State Warriors team. In my opinion, this is these are the best two backcourts in basketball. Definitely, we're in for fireworks with these backcourts. Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, CJ McCollum, and, of course, Dame Dalla there, game one on Wednesday night on ESPN. Uh, we don't know the uncertainty of Rodney Hood and, and the severity of his injury. That may be pivotal in the series. But but I, I, you're, you're right uh, about how the making of this Blazers team It's And I think they want to rewrite that narrative. It reminds me of the Virginia thing this year. You know, Mm -hmm. they lost against uh, 
a 16 seed last year. They came back this year with vengeance and wanted to rewrite the narrative. Well, we remember that the Blazers, they were a three seed last year. Again, nothing's changed. They were a three seed this year. But they want to change the narrative. They got swept by Rondo and AD and the Pelicans last year and said, you know, we're better than that. I think they have that chip on their shoulder. And, and you know, when you're riding that chip on your shoulder and you have confidence and momentum, can't anything stop you? I want to go with you, Chris. Your thoughts on the Blazers and how they got here and what can they do without potentially games one and games two without Kevin Durant for the Warriors? Or How do you see they match up against this Golden State Warriors team, KD Liss. Um, I think, I think this team can actually. I actually give this team a good chance to to steal a game, one of the first two games of this series without Kevin Durant, because both backcourts. I don't really see a ton difference. There's not a huge difference between both right now, so I, I think it's a it's fairly even in the backcourts. And both teams are getting really good contributions from their benches and their role players. My question mark is, is Rodney Hood's health? Because his MRI did come back clean, and he's listed as day-to-day. So that's a good thing for them. So he's not, 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 not a serious injury. So he might be able to play in this series. But I'm going to look at how they match up against like a player like, like Draymond because they don't really do that, and he's been – he's just – they don't really – the Blazers don't have that forward that can push the ball up the court like a Draymond does. That's going to be an interesting one in me. Good and, point. But, but they can – but they can also go semi-small and put Zach Collins at the five as well. When they go to Draymond at the five, they can go Zach Collins at the five. Mm-hmm. Cause he can, and they can put Amino at the four. Right. Yeah. Yep, and they can they can they can split the floor because Zach Collins can knock down threes. Mm-hmm. He he's a he's a terrific shot blocker. He's one of the most underrated shot blockers in the league this season because he he can get up. He he's really good at the verticality, and it's just like it, 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 it's just a blessing. You lose Nurkic, and then you have that guy on your bench who's ready to go. That's very very mature and a very poised young player right there. Right, and and we know these two teams split meetings 2-2 regular season. We don't want to put a lot on the regular season because, you know, uh, playoff basketball and regular season basketball is totally oh, different. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, give me some X factors in this matchup, and we'll start off with the Blazers side, a guy that could potentially make a stamp in the series and, and perhaps pull off an upset for the Blazers. Hmm. A, a potential guy for the Blazers. Um. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go like you said, Zach Collins. I'm gonna definitely go Zach Collins. Zach Collins was special to me, and um, with what he yep. would do offensively, because he can knock down the threes, he can knock down the mid-range jump shot if need be. I think another X factor for them is gonna be Enos Cantor. Enos Cantor is gonna be a huge. Mm-hmm. X-factor that was my pick, Mike. Because I mean, look, what he can do on the offensive glass with no Boogie Cousins down there in the paint for the Warriors, and they're saying there's a possibility he could return for the playoffs. But if he doesn't come back and Enos Kander is down there full load, he will have a, he will have a, a a a great time getting offensive rebounds, getting rebounds in general, and working in the post because he has a nice a nice mid-range game and a, and a nice post game as well. He he can definitely make some make some noise and 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 change change the game and change momentum with the, the rebounds he can get and stuff like that. So I definitely like Enos Kander and I like Zach Collins. Yep, yep. Uh, and with you, Chris. Uh, it's a tough one, in my opinion. It's a tough one. There's a lot you can choose, but mine 
if he comes back healthy, I mean, mine's Rodney Hood mm-hmm. because somebody that he averaged 16 a game in this last series, he was just very effective and just someone that can give his own shot. It, it can, it, he can, he can actually help if one if Lillard or McCollum are struggling. He can come off the bench and give you 20, and and it, it would help a lot. And another person that's a sneaky guy, Evan Turner. Because right. he, he didn't play like at all before game seven. And he came in 14 points, 10 in the fourth quarter, including two clutch free throws. He yep. can defend. I mean, he was defending Paul Millsap, and he defended him very well. I mean, you, you can see it's a big size difference, but he defended Paul Millsap very well in the fourth quarter. I think those are my two X factors in this series. They're two bench players because they can give you buckets anytime. Uh, on the Golden State side of the equation, no Kevin Durant potentially for the first two games. We're hearing speculations that Boogie Cousins may come back earlier than expected with his injury. So with Steve Kerr's squad, uh, what are you most concerned about against this Blazers team? And and, and do, should we expect um, KD and Boogie to return, return quicker than usual? Uh, I think I think KD might 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 return mid midway through the series, like maybe game three to four, so somewhere along those lines. Um, yeah, obviously he's gonna have an impact if he comes in. Boogie Cousins as well. If he comes back, yeah, yeah. I I still would pick the Warriors in seven to win this series. It it would take all seven, especially if if Durant's not in. But Portland has a great chance. But but as far as the Warriors, if they get Kevin Durant back. And 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 Demarcus Cousins, I, I I think I think the series would be over because that's just, that's just <laughs> come on, see, that's that's just not, that's just not fair, man. You get you get the full Arsenal back, and, and come on now, that's like I, I love Portland to death, but Portland doesn't have Nurkic, so they don't have that size that that size that, that can actually match up with Cousins on a consistent basis outside of Canner. You know, when he goes to the bench, you need somebody that can bang with a Boogie Cousins, a Kevon Looney, and those guys, and. Uh, the Warriors just had would have too much by that point. I, I think one of the mm-hmm. keys for the Warriors in this in this series, even if he's not coming back, is the movement they, that that they have off the ball. This system had constantly has these shooters moving, trying to get open threes, trying to get open looks, and the movement. Sometimes you get caught up in those picks. And I, I love Damian Lillard to death, but his size he has a major size disadvantage when it comes to those uh the, the, those those point guards that make him run because he gets caught up in those picks a lot. And leaves wide open shooters, and this is the worst three point shooter to leave wide open. And Steph Curry and this and is a, and this is my X factor of this series. I, I think the backcourt of the Blazers are gonna have to defend. Yep. I know Steve Curry is gonna put Clay Thompson on Lillard, and McCullum is gonna make Steph Curry work on the defensive end because what the Blazers are gonna do, they're gonna take a page off of Chris Paul and Jay Martin. They're gonna put them cats in pick and roll situations and dare Steph Curry to guard somebody now yep. do you think that Curry's gonna mm-hmm. counter that and put Iggy sometimes on uh CJ McCullum when that happens but my uh, actually my biggest X factor in this series is how does Lillard and McCullum defend Clay and Curry coming off of those uh, uh screens and Bogut can really screen for a big guy yeah. well, how do how do you how do they mm. defend that coming off of screens are they gonna cheat or are they actually gonna play and 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 we saw that the Rockets did a very good job in that series, paying attention to details and 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 following those guys off of ball screens. Because when you don't pay attention to details, that's when they can really hurt you. That's my 
that's my uh, key factor in the series is if the Blazers, which they did a good job against Denver, are they going to pay attention to detail, especially that backcourt, because they're going to have to defend Klay Thompson and Steph Curry off of off-ball screens, off-ball movement when the ball is not given to them. We want to shift gears to the East because mm-hmm. this is what I've been waiting on, Mike and, and Chris. Uh, <laughs> this is the clash of the Titans. Giannis and Kawhi Leonard. Um, I, I, this this is what the people want. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is what the people want. No doubt. The Bucks and the Toronto Raptors. One thing is certain here. The NBA Finals will be represented by the Eastern Conference and host by the Eastern Conference in Game 1. They'll have home court, obviously. The Toronto Raptors swept the Golden State Warriors this year 2-0. Larry had a big game in one of those 23-12. and 12. And the Bucks also swept the Warriors as well this year, getting a blowout win in Oracle, actually. So the Eastern Conference will host the NBA Finals this season. Game 1 will either be in Milwaukee or it will be in Toronto. But this is what the people want. Giannis and Kawhi Leonard. And one of the biggest legends of all time, Scottie Pippen, had this to say. I mean, uh, not Scottie Pippen, excuse me. Bruce Bowen, uh, a Spurs legend, 2007 champion, had this to say about Kawhi Leonard going into this series. Let's take a listen. <laughs> Is Kawhi Leonard the best player in the NBA? Considering what he does on both ends I, of the see, floor. I, and I can't, I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with a yes on this. Oh, oh, oh I'm gonna you're, you're and, taking and the bait. Take, take take. <laughs> so you, you, you look at what he does and, and limiting the top player. You know, he Jimmy Butler was where? Huh? Where was Jimmy yesterday? He had that initiative at the real end. Yeah, but how did he get, how did he get that thing? Steal. There, it was transition. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I'm in the half court, when they were jump, dribbling all around Jimmy, a lot of times Kawhi was on Jimmy. And see, and this is a, the evolution of Kawhi, where when he first came into the game, someone asked me in San Antonio, well, will he be able to be, you know, like you? I said, no, he's going to be better than me. This is a young kid. You haven't always celebrated Kawhi Leonard in your that, media that, career. That, no, exactly. Yeah. But what I said at that time is this – young man that's not with his team. It was about what he was doing. is about his actions. It wasn't about his talent and who he could be. Mm. I was going off of what was going on right then and there. It doesn't take... That was Bruce Bowen, 2007 champion with the Spurs on Jalen and Jacoby talking about Kawhi Leonard. But this is what the people want. I, I, I These cats right here, I want you guys to be GM. You guys have the number one overall pick. Are you taking Kawhi Leonard or Giannis Antetokounmpo? I think that Kawhi comes into the series the best player in the series. But Giannis becomes the most dominant player. So your thoughts. You're the GM here. You've got the number one overall pick. <laughs> oh. Wow. That's, man, that's a hard pick. You really, you're really talking about apples and oranges. You can, almost can't go wrong with either pick. I would, but if I, but if you had to hold my feet to the fire, I probably would go with the Giannis Antetokounmpo. The the reason I would go with Giannis is because he's because of that dominant factor, like that you pointed out. He's so dominant. He's he, he can do whatever he wants on the basketball court. He's he's a freak of nature. When he gets a jump shot, a consistent jump shot, in my opinion, and it looks like that's what he's trending towards. When he gets a consistent jump shot, he could be he could be the best player in the league at the time, within the next three or four years. 
Mm-hmm. So that that's that's one of the key reasons why I would go with Giannis. And I love Kawhi Leonard. Like that's how that uh, he can do. He's a, the best two way player in the game. He um his skill set is continuing to grow year after year. We've been seeing him get better ever since he's come into the league. And I wouldn't even be, I can't be mad at anybody going with him. But I would go with Giannis just because of the upside and the potential I see him within the next three or four years and 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 the rest of his career. And I, I think Giannis. this guy really is the limit for him. Giannis is definitely two years younger, being at the age of 23. And I'm going to go with you, Chris. Who are you picking? You got the number one overall pick. The balls are <laughs> driven to you. <laughs> this is this might be one of the toughest questions it really you can is, ask right now. Good. Yeah. It's, like, so tough, man. I mean, I'm going to lean – I'm going to lean toward – I'm going to go with you, Michael. I'm going to leave – I'm going to go with Giannis because I just look at him he isn't even close to what he is at, close to what he can be right now, and he is he is still right up there at Kawhi, and he's right. nowhere near where he's supposed to be. And a big fa- a big turning point for me, Giannis can play the point guard. He's a much better passer. He gets his teammates. He can get his teammates open shots better than Kawhi does. Though Kawhi is good at that, Giannis is just better at getting his teammates open shots. And I just think. And I just think when when he dominates the paint, they're they're going to bring two and three people, and he has the passing ability to find the open shooters. And they've got great shooters everywhere right now, yeah. whether it's Miritich, George Hill, Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Middleton. I mean, it, and Brooke Lopez. All those guys shoot three balls in the high thirties and the forties. That's indeed definitely there. These two teams. Met for four times this regular season. The Bucks took three out of four against them. Obviously, they were the most dominant team this year, winning sixty-two games. I thought the the I I thought the numbers were misleading this year. I didn't really get to see. I I saw a lot of Giannis highlights, but I didn't see a lot of Bucks games. I saw the Bucks top three in defense, top three in offense. I thought that actually they're number one in defense and top three in offense. They're number one in uh, points scored. I thought that the numbers could be misleading. I didn't think that they'd be this good. But, boy, in these playoffs, they have just – I mean, fellas, these teams have steamrolled. The Bucks have steamrolled everybody. They've played eight games and they've won seven. That The only game they lost is they, they just didn't show up against Boston in that game one series. But other than that, they steamrolled against the Pistons. They steamrolled against my Celtics. And now having home court at the Fizzer form and Giannis – all of a sudden, making his jump shots. I mean, look out. Uh, when we dissect this series, what do you guys look for? There's a lot of narratives and a lot of perspective to look for in this series. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely, I, I definitely look for look for Toronto's defense and see how they hold up against the three point shooting in Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Milwaukee, like you said, um, come on now. When Giannis gets downhill, they bring two or three people down, and he he kicks it out to so many different shooters that it's almost guaranteed knockdown. So. And- this year in attempts behind Houston in three-point shoot shots. And, and, and for well, rightfully so because they have a lot of 3 and D players. I love how they play together as a team. This this Milwaukee team is special and really has really has a chance this year to go. And I really look for how 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 Toronto is going to defend the, the three-point line and and will 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 Milwaukee will Milwaukee continue to shoot this effectively from the three-point line as well. So I, def- I definitely look to see to see that three point matchup, but also we already we already know how dominant 
Giannis is going to be in this series. I want to see how how dominant Kawhi is because I know Milwaukee is going to throw. They have a, a different type of length when they play defense. When they play defense, and Ka- Kawhi Leonard is going to be going against a lot of a lot of people with his, with his wingspan or, or higher. So I definitely want to see how how Milwaukee defends Kawhi and, and how how effective will he be in this series because he's he's looked absolutely unstoppable. And will he will he continue to do that and will he take them over the hump? But that definitely the the the, the three point matchup for sure. And this series, of course, we know the Bucks will have a plethora of players to throw at um, Kawhi Leonard. Brogdon being back, we're uncertain about his health. They also have Chris Middleton, an excellent underrated two way player, and of course Giannis Antetokounmpo himself. Mike, you are Nick Nurse, and you're going up against this juggernaut of a team, offensively and defensively. Right. How do you go against it, Chris? And and how do you what a what's your approach going against Milwaukee? The approach, Nick Nurse goes against Milwaukee. Uh, it's going to be they're going to need a lot of help from their role players because last series you saw a lot of just Kawhi and Siakam. You're going to need stuff from Danny Green. Mm-hmm. You're going to need like similar performances like what Ibaka had in game seven. You're going to need mm-hmm. that him to hit perimeter jumpers to get offensive rebounds. You're going to need Kyle Lowry to just be that irritant on defense. Just He might not need to score, but he needs to be that irritant on defense, and he needs to be a great facilitator in that bench. That bench was great in the regular season, but it struggled in, these, in this postseason, and I think they need – they need more. They need help from players like Van Vliet, and obviously Abaka. I mean Norman Powell and all those guys. They need they need to contribute more if they're going to beat this Milwaukee team because Milwaukee it goes very deep, and it's just very it's it's very tough to beat. They're not going to be able to beat this Milwaukee team with just Kawhi going off. It won't work. Mm-hmm. None. It won't work with none whatsoever. Brooke Lopez shooting over 100 threes as a center. That is an NBA record. Could be pivotal in this series. When we look at this Bucks team, a guy that stands out to you that could be a deciding factor in the series. Out, not name Giannis. A tentacle book. Not name Giannis. For, for, for the Bucks. I'm going with um, I'm going with Malcolm Brogdon. I'm going with Michael Brown. I want to see how how effective he's going to be, and how how he'll make his turn point on the season because he's a 50, 40, 90 guy, and he's a, he's a, he was a special player, and he really he really he really changes what they have. He really makes this team halfway unbeatable, especially from the perimeter, the way he can defend, the way he can knock down three point shots. I want to see how effective he is coming off the injury, and uh, how he how he'll make his mark on the on this series. Definitely mm-hmm. there. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, this 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 matchup has a lot of narratives. Siakam, Kawhi, Giannis, Middleton. Um, I, I, I'm a huge Kawhi advocate, and you guys know this, but I'm leaning mm-hmm. towards I'm leaning towards the Bucks here. How defend? Uh, they they literally score a lot of points. They average 118 points a game in the regular season. Mm. But when they have four or five-minute stretches and say, we're going to lock down defensively, Bledsoe and Georgia, we're going to get up on you and make life miserable. And then we're going to have Middleton and Giannis 
as our front court players alongside with Brook Lopez, a shot blocker. It, their defensive scheme is nearly impossible to go there. And it, I, I consider them a team full of trees and they're deers personified. This team <laughs> right here is just a juggernaut. I, I, I love Giannis. I love Kawhi Leonard dearly. I don't think he can get it done. I think this is a more recollecting, retrospecting like a LeBron James mano a mano against a, just a full Arsenal juggernaut of a team. I've got the Bucks in six. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I, I, I got the Bucks in six as well. I, I love I love Kawhi as well, but I just don't, I just don't think he has enough firepower for this team. This Milwaukee team is a as as a team I underrated. A team, a team, a team that I, I definitely slept on for most of the year and look and look past, but they 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 proven me wrong in that second round series against Boston. How they how they just took them apart and they just look like a better collective unit right now. And Mike, they look starved. They look hungry. Yeah, they, they're hungry. You could tell they're hungry. They have a lot of veteran players that have been on teams that haven't quite gotten it done, and and and, and now they they've come together and they they all smell blood. When you smell blood as a team and you're that close. That that that's dangerous, and and that's exactly where the Bucks are right now. I got the I got the Bucks winning this series in six, but it's going to be a hard fought dogfight six. Mm-hmm. Siakam and Larry are going to have to step up huge, and we know about Larry's miserable playoff um, woes. Of course, uh, Chris, uh, your decide your pronostications for this series. I I love both these teams. I love all the stars on those teams, and. I believe believe the series. I I I I was gonna pick Bucks in six, but I actually I'm I'm gonna I'm underestimating what Toronto can do. I think it's going a distance. I think it's going a distance of seven games. I think I think the Raptors will get. An, I think they're gonna get contributions from their benches, but I just I just pick Milwaukee's role players over. Toronto's and that would be yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the difference in my opinion. I that's believe the they will win right there. I believe Milwaukee will get. I believe both teams will get a both teams will get a road win. I just think Milwaukee gets that game seven win and they're going to the NBA Finals. And here's an underrated thought: Milwaukee four and zero in these playoffs on the road. They were they had the best road road record in the regular season as well. And oh, by the way, guys, margin of victory in these postseason on the road, fifteen <laughs> points. So that shows you the Bucks can go on the road and definitely get a win there. And a lot of stuff, a lot of narratives, a lot of things to talk about. But like I said, this is what the people want. We're excited to see both of these teams go at it throughout these playoffs. It's the Blazers and it's the Warriors. And it's the Bucks and it's the Toronto Raptors here on the conference finals of these NBA playoffs. But don't go nowhere because Chris and Mike will be right back. Coaching vacancies, a lot of intriguing pickups. Definitely for the Lakers and the Cavs. You're listening to the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Hi, I'm Fanny. I'm Cecilia. I'm Joanna. And I'm Alwyn Jr. And we are Precise Tax and Accounting Services in Central Florida. And we would love to give a special thanks to SEBI Podcast Crew for keeping us up to date with everything sports during this busy tax season. 
Do you find yourself overwhelmed by the changes in our new tax law? Or would you just love to have the peace of mind that comes with dealing with a well-informed professional? If so, reach out to us for any of your tax, accounting, or small business needs, and be sure to let us know that SEBI Podcast sent you. Thank you. Sebi Mike, Chris Wolf here on the hotline guest on the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Back here, the Lakers making a big splash. And to admit, fellas, when this news came out, I was like, Frank Vogel, really? The Los Angeles Lakers, the Lake Show, besides the Boston Celtics and the New York Yankees, the most storied franchises in American pro sports history, the Los Angeles Lakers, with all the franchise. Kareem, Magic, Jerry West, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Matt, all the others. And you pick up Vogel to run the Lake Show? And then there came Jason Kidd on his staff. And I said, I started to open up and lighten up a little bit. I took the little Grinch out of my heart and said, okay, well, this could potentially work. This could potentially work. You got the X's and O's guy with Jason Kidd on the offensive side. And we know Vogel from his days in Indiana, being a great defensive-minded guy. Roy Hibbert, David West, Paul George, Danny Granger, defensive, tarred, blue-collar, hard-nosed guys who can play defense. So when you pair up offensive defense, perhaps the Lake Show can potentially do something. Your thoughts on this signing there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was surprised like you as well at first, but then I thought about it. Yeah, this... Frank Vogel, Frank Vogel is a uh, is a players is a players friendly type of coach. Like, like you could tell the the, 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 the players on the, on those Indiana Pacers teams, they they really enjoyed him as a coach. They enjoyed his uh, mentality. His uh, the, they they followed they followed his ways, and it was it was a good it was good energy in the room whenever Frank Vogel was there. He helped turn that turn that program around. Um, year after year after year, they continued to get better. And it was a couple of years in a row where they just lost to the best team ever at the time, which was that LeBron James Miami Heat team. You know, it was always back and forth between them. So I, I see, I see why the, I see why the pick was there. He took the three year deal, unlike, unlike what they were trying to give to Tyloo. So I, I see, I see where they were going with the Frank Vogel pick. We'll we'll see how it turns out with the wins, and I and I also see what they did with Jason Kidd as the assistant coach. So so it. It, it it definitely it definitely could be a good mix. We'll we'll, we'll see. It, it, it all translated. They start winning. We uh, Chris and I here down here in Orlando definitely got to see a lot of Vogel in his time as coach for the Orlando Magic's here. Mm-hmm. Definitely improved defensively oh, okay. there. My, uh, Chris, uh, you uh, and LeBron James, uh, how does Vogel and LeBron James and Jason Kidd uh, change? the Los Angeles Lakers because the Lakers I uh, Laker fans one thing I know about them Los Angeles is a winner uh so bringing in kid and bringing in Vogel to pair up LeBron James and you know coaching LeBron James isn't an easy task to do what's what's gonna have to happen for the Lakers to get back to the glory days? to the glory I believe well, when I first saw this news I was like man yeah, I don't know but when I saw Jason Kidd, like you guys, I saw Jason Kidd. I was like, okay, he's a champion. He's won a championship. He knows he knows what it takes to win a championship. And I think I actually, I'm actually, I actually like it because Frank Vogel again, he's defense, and maybe 
maybe they'll he'll be able to get this team to play defense this season. And with Jason Kidd being there, you have somebody that 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 know that knows how to win. Somebody that LeBron played against in his career, so they know each other well. And I think I, I think it will work, but. But it, but it is kind of weird. It is thing. He's on a three-year deal, but you also have Jason Kidd. I mean, it ma- it makes it seem like if Frank Vogel doesn't win quick, he might be out the door, and Jason Kidd will be the head coach in the next few years if he doesn't win quick. So, gotta watch out for that. But I believe, I believe, I believe it'll be good because I think they'll be better defensively. LeBron knows. LeBron knows how to get good off, make get people involved, and I just think, bar, barring injury, they will be a playoff team next year. Depending on who they get in free agency, I don't know. I don't know how far they'd go, but I think they'd be a top four team in the West. And, and that's my thing here, and and this is why I think the the Jason Kidd signing is imperative. Jason Kidd was brought to the Lakers for two people: LeBron James and his relationship, and of course for Lonzo Ball. I expect Rondo to test the free agency market and go elsewhere. Lonzo Ball, second overall pick. The jury's on him. I mean, I know that he heard speculations that, hey, he may be traded uh, midseason for Anthony Davis and didn't play well, and he's been banked up a little bit. But Jason Kidd is here to mentor you. LeBron James is here to mentor you. Jason Kidd is here to mentor you. So the Jason Kidd signing is huge to me in this signing here for head coaching here. Not a not a really easy guy to get along with and to coexist. What can I because I, I do think Jason Kidd will be the guy to run the offense. What what can Jason Kidd do as a great passer in his days, going along with an excellent passer in LeBron James? What can they do to bring back the Lake Shore back into its glory days? He, he he can help mentor Lonzo Ball, like you said. Like Lonzo Ball's game, he's a pass first guy, so he's going to continue to get players involved and continue to put, apply pressure on the defense and draw and kick out to these knockdown shooters. But um, he he definitely can bring he can bring, like like you said that that championship mentality, you know that that Hall of Fame legend, you know old school, old school way way of playing basketball. He can he can bring that mentality back back to the Lakers because. Like, it's certain times when you watch the Lakers and you wonder if they even know how to play legitimate defense. <laughs> like, it, it, it's, it, it's looked that bad. And 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 and, and, and it's been it's, – it's got to a consistent point. Um, magic isn't there anymore, so you definitely have to have to find somebody that that, that, know, that knows the way outside of LeBron James. Because LeBron can't do it, can't do the uh, leading by itself. So, the, 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 the more the more championship pieces, pieces that they have in their organization – the better is going to translate onto the court. So I so I so I de- I definitely love to see that. Quick last hits here before we switch to the Cavaliers and their signing as well. The Lakers, this is a huge summer for them. They've got to get somebody mm-hmm. to pair up with yeah. LeBron James. Um, uh, who do they end up getting? A lot of pressure on Jeannie Buss and Rob Palinka to find somebody to bring to the Lake Show. To you, who's one or maybe two guys that is imperative that they get this summer? Mm. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, they're, they're under a lot of scrutiny, a lot of speculations, but <laughs> they're gonna the need. Lakers got to get somebody. 
They're gonna need to get. They're gonna need to get. A, I think somebody else, like as a, I think they're gonna need to get another guard, maybe to, to maybe help. Cause I think it helps Alonzo because he his shoot his shot is not great. That's another reason why I think Jason Kidd's a good person to come in. He didn't have a good shot coming into the league, and now he became a really good three point shooter. Toward, as his career went on, that will help Lonzo. But I think. If you can't get one of the big free agents like Kawhi, KD, someone like that, you're gonna have to get. I mean, there's still like Kyrie, there's still Kemba. Kemba would Kemba. be. Kemba might be my top one because that might, I mean, might be, that might be my most realistic one you can get because Charlotte's not doing anything. He 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 signs back to Charlotte. They're still not gonna be that good. So, yeah. I don't think I I, I think Kemba would fit pretty well with LeBron in my opinion. What what about I, those that that are in New York saying he's a New York guy? It's a, I, I hear that, I hear that. It's just very. It's just it, it literally depends. If Kyrie and KD go to New York, that might be a. You know, he obviously I don't he wouldn't go there, right? But I mean I know Brooklyn's still there. I mean Brook Brooklyn will still be there. I mean, but they. So, have I mean D'Angelo, that's new, right? D'Angelo. So it's a tough one. Then that's why I said Kemba might be the most realistic to go to the Lakers because I just think I think I think I think Kyrie I think Kyrie and Katie are going to New York. I hope so. I will hope to see that. I definitely think that. I definitely think that. Man. Well, well, a la me, uh, I I've always said that if I'm Rob Belinka and Jimmy Buss, I start calling the nation's capital where Mike is and or, or close to it per se, and start talking, making some phone calls to the Wizards and say, what should I trade? Should I give you Brandon Ingram? Should I, you know, do you, what do you want? Do you want Brandon Ingram? Do you want Josh Hart? Do you, you want these young pieces? Give me Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill oh. had a career oh. year for the Washington Wizards. I've always said LeBron James teams, you need to spread him around shooters. I think their biggest acquisition they need is shooters. And if you can't get your hands on Klay Thompson, if he resigns with the Warriors or go elsewhere, you got to try to get somebody that's a shooter mm-hmm. to put around LeBron James. And I think that guy's Bradley Beal. This guy, Bradley Beal, had career numbers across the board, especially yes. when Wall went down. Averaging 25 a game, five mm-hmm. rebounds a game, five steals a game, uh, five assists a game. His defense elevated this season. Ask Scott yep. Brooks who is their most yep. important and best player this year. So if I'm the Lakers, I, I try to get a guy like that and and perhaps uh, another sneaky free agent, like you said, uh, a Kembo or a Jimmy Butler, uh, per se. Yeah, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. The reason I avoided that wizard talk is I don't want to see Bradley Bill not <laughs> I want him to stay here and play. <laughs> but, but, but you're absolutely right. Bradley Bill will work perfect with LeBron James because right now I think LeBron needs a 3 shoot. He needs somebody that can, that can knock down three-point shots along with play legitimate perimeter defense. And who better than than who who we just named? Clay Thompson, Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler's uh, play players players of that sort. And I think I think th- those players will match perfectly with LeBron James because he needs help on that scoring load as well. He can't do it all by himself. No, it's definitely there. We go back to LeBron James. Oh well, his former team and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, they made a very in- a surprising pick. John Beeline, uh, a great coach in Michigan. 12 seasons there. He made it to two NCAA tournament championship appearances with the Michigan Wolverines. 
Your guys' thoughts on this signing? A five-year deal, meaning that the Cavs are really banking on John Beeline, 65-year-old John Beeline, to be the answer to lead <laughs> Colin Sexton and this young Cavs team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think this was a key sign with that that, that the, Cavs, the Cavs are moving into a different direction and they want to they're in full rebuild mode. They're in full re- rebuild of the entire organization post LeBron James. You know, I think after they needed a year they built to get to get everything straight, and then now it's time to start making legitimate changes for the long haul. And and, and this is one of the first key examples of that signing a Bay, signing a Beelin, uh, who had had legitimate success here at Michigan. I mean, he these these last these last three years have been impressive. He's he's he's, got, he's won won conference championships, Big Ten regular titles, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying? regular season championships. You know, he's he's had a lot of success, and he's definitely the type of guy that that, that if you want to rebuild, you want to start over, you want him on your side. You want to, you want his type of mentality, his togetherness on your side. And I I, I like the signing for Cleveland. I want to see how it pans out. You know. He, We've seen so we've seen coaches from college go to the league and not do so well, but we've also seen coaches from college come to the league and and, and produce well, like like a Brad Stevens and such sorts of that, that of that nature. So I want I want to see how 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 he how he pans out in the NBA and and see if see if he's ready for this level. John Beeline definitely big on player development. A lot of players love playing for uh, John. Uh, all the best of luck to him going to Cleveland. Uh, Chris, the, the Cavs having a top five pick this season. Uh, we'll go ahead and this upcoming draft lottery. We'll go ahead and talk about the lottery real quick. Um, they're getting mm-hmm. a top five, top five pick for sure. Um, the ping pong balls. Let's say the Knicks get the top pick or the Bulls. And, oh, perhaps, let's say, the Cavs get the fourth pick. Uh, a necessity to pair up with Colin Sexton in that young nucleus. What do you think that John Beeline needs to, to get this Cavs team at least to be competitive again? He needs to get – I think if he's not able to get a top, one of the top three, they're going to they're gonna need to get a forward. They're going to need to get a forward, a wing. It doesn't matter if it's like three or four. They're going to need to get a forward that can play, that can get you a buckets. La, a la Jared Culver and Daniel Hunter. I think they'll be there. I think they'll be available. Yeah. Hunter, I think Hunter or Culver, if you're – if you're not in the top three, those would be my those would be the first two people off my those would be the first two people on my board if I don't get the top three. It's Culver or Hunter. Because they can get their own shot. They are they, they can just score on machines and they both can play then they both can defend at a high level. They both played at very good defensive schools in Texas Tech and Virginia. And I just think and they're both great on offense. I think those would be great fits for this team. A team that's full of a lot of guard play. It's a lot of guard play in this team. So, getting someone like that would be big. Now, obviously, they want someone like Zion or Morant. Maybe they get up there, but but I, I think I think realistically, if they get four, it's Culver or Hunter. Definitely, there. Ruby Hachimura out of Gonzaga declaring as well. Maybe. Uh, a great pick there for them as well. We want to talk about the draft here real quick before uh, we end the show here today, uh, fellas. The Knicks, um, they really bank. They really they they putting they're putting all their eggs in the, in 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 one basket. They really think that they're getting Zion. I think that it will be miserable for them if they don't get land that ping pong ball number one overall pick and get Zion Williamson. Uh, the Suns and the Bulls are right there, uh, respectively, at two and three percentage-wise for the ping pong balls. Uh, looking at this draft lottery, 
um, you know, we really can't say which team is going to win. But out of these three teams, which team do you think that is just one player away that can make a franchise-changing difference out of these three teams, the Bulls, the Phoenix Suns, and the New York Knicks? Whew. I, know, I know the Phoenix Suns. I know they desperately want John Moran. I know, I, I know like John Moran will fit perfectly with that team. They already have Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden, a, a legitimate point guard that can facilitate and get and get the ball to others that can play off ball. Oh, my goodness. That, it could be special in Phoenix. We could be seeing a young nucleus on the rise continue to grow with each other. Um, I understand. I understand. I, we, we all know the Knicks want Zion, like you said. They're, 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 they're banking on it. And trying and, and trying to trying to make that happen, but I know for a fact that Phoenix definitely wants John Morant. That I know they will put all their eggs in one basket. If they get the number one pick, if they if Phoenix somehow was to land the number one pick, they wouldn't even look Zion's way, in my opinion. They would get John Morant. Well, well, what about how? That's a hot take. I mean, that you got. <laughs> I, I will, I'm agreeing this, with you. This, this, I'm agreeing with you as well. I think Morant is the better fit. I think that he's the guy that they need. You already have your shooting shooting guard and Devin Booker. And Devin Booker has been in Phoenix Suns malpractice. This guy is amazing. And we don't get to see a lot of Devin Booker because he's lost out there. And for a bad organization out there in Phoenix Suns, uh, you know, and and they haven't had much success throughout the seasons. And, and he has been much maligned. He will be – you will see – Averaging 27 per game, Devin Booker. He's that good of an offensive weapon if they get John Morant uh, out there. But to pass up on Zion Williamson may be a tall task, even for Bucks team. So uh, it, it, I, I'm going to agree with you here, Mike. I'm going to go John Morant is the better fit. But, boy, <laughs> it'd be tempting to pass up on Zion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just, I just think it's all about fit. My, my... About fit with Phoenix, you know they 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 already have a legitimate big man. Yes, I know Zion is 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 all world and he's he's a great talent and, and has amazing potential. But as far as fit is concerned, I mean John Moran is special and, and he he fits Phoenix absolutely perfect. I just I feel like if you pass up that on Zion, you may you may have just passed up on, on something special with this team. Well, what about you, Chris? I mean, all the fans out there in the United Center out there in North Chicago are saying, hey, get our hands on John Morant. We've got Zach Levine, and we've got a young core nucleus, too. We love our guy, mm -hmm. Louis Markin, in as well, big inside. So if we get our hands on John Morant, we can do some damage here in the Eastern Conference. Your thoughts on the Bulls and who they need? I think, I think, I think, I think John Morant would fit per 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 perfect with that team. And if I'm the Bulls, I'd go his way over Zion as well, because you've got You've got we already got marketing. in. You've got Window Carter Jr. You strapped it last year in a high, very high, and I just believe John Morant would just fit perfectly. They had they don't really have a a, a good a, a big time guard that can facilitate and run the offense, and that would just be perfect. It right, would take right. it would take pressure off of like a guy like Chris Dunn or Zach Levine having to do that. Yeah, but and, and and Morant might be thin in size, like maybe like KD was coming out of college, thin and thin in like size, but but he's tall, and he is just a freak athlete. That he dude, is, I love that, that guy, guy is unbelievable. That guy's unbelievable. And and I've heard heard this comparison, guys. I've heard Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard. 
that's enticing because in this modern day age, I mean, I, I think that Morant's game translates really good in this in this yeah. year in this modern day NBA because he could shoot the three, he could get into the lane. I have to see if he can shoot has a mid range game. I'm not sure sure about that. I didn't see a lot of that in Murray State, but I know he can shoot the three. I know he can really pass that rock, and I know that he can really attack okay. the basket. And so I think his game in this modern day age where it's all guard heavy, I think that really. Uh, um, you know, bodes well for him going in his NBA uh, career here. But nevertheless, all the ping pong balls will be given when? Tomorrow night. That's right. Yes, indeed. All the mm-hmm. for the yep. Suns, the Bulls, the Cavs, the Memphis Grizzlies, all are aiming for Zion. But only one team can have one. This has been the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Streaming only here on WNSC Radio. And for myself, Chris, and Michael Gray, we're saying so long for now. Until next time. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The SEBI Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments on Spotify and iTunes and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the SEBI Podcast experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go, and that is the slogan.